The marble floor of their palatial bedroom led to the entrance of their balcony. Radiating from their quarters, the amber glow of candlelight diffused through the bellowing crinoline curtains dividing the balcony from their bedroom. Upon the castle balcony, they could see the near pastures and the outlying forested mountains backlit by the Milky Way. Prince Wallace wrapped his wife, Princess Marina's delicate upper body within his strong arms, his cape across his legs. Under the black canopy of the night sky, they watched the flashing aurora borealis. Carrying the aroma of buttercups, a warm ambient breeze comforted them like a blanket. Both reclined on the cushion sofa lounge, the two halves of the Duché de Brise pushed comfortably together. Enjoying each other, the royals fecklessly peered to the sky, but Princess Marina sensed a change in the linkage. The sky turned polluted by the dark wind. Princess grew ill at ease, turned to her. Wallace could detect her discomfort. She shivered. You're cold, darling, Princess William whispered. His eyes showed worry. He held her close. No, not cold, no, dearest. I fear more than that. Can you not feel it? Princess Marina asked, pointing to the sky. The aurora has never been less enthralling, more menacing, its dance less enchanting. Wally, I fear a pall has crept over the land, she murmured. She cuddled back into the lounge, into his chest, her pet name for him in private. He stroked her temple. He peered up. He raked his fingers through her soft hair. I feel a heaviness in your heart, she said. Wallace pulled her head to his chest. She listened to the beat of his heart. You were always more sensitive than I, my princess, said Wallace, his chin gently resting on the top of her head. There's an interference, she said, and I know not from where it comes. He kissed her gently on the top of her head. I see nothing but you, my love. She wrinkled closer to his body. Take me seriously, Wally. Look up there, she said, pointing to the area of the sky, through which flew distant black birds. Over there, by the bird, do you see now? She placed her delicate fingertips upon either of his cheeks, gently positioning Wally's head by his temples. He loved the touch of her soft fingertips and snuggled into her fingers. Princess Marina insisted, her eyes searching the sky. Please see, my dear prince. There's an ailing breeze howling through our land. What do you think causes the aurora to act so strangely? His eyebrows slightly drawn down. He peered over his left shoulder to the part of the sky to which she looked. The colors are dark and gray, she said. Angry. The familiar color tracings are missing. Can you see? She asked, desperately hoping he would. Wallace nodded to humor her. He knew they would retire soon if he agreed. Yes, dear, Wallace muttered, slightly miffed. She sulked. Patronize me, not Walter Dobramil, twisting her knuckles into her breastbone. Least tonight you find yourself sleeping with your horse. Careful, my love, he teased. My horse may try to run away with me, and you'd be sad. I would be sad, she said somberly. I would die without you. She kissed his cheek. But do not change the topic, my prince. What say you the meaning of the change in the aurora, she whispered, her eyes dancing across the sky. The stars twinkle rarely. Breathing deeply, Wallace hugged her snugly. The faint smell of hickory smoke wafting in the countryside mixed with the buttercups. When I was a child, Wallace said, my parents used to tell us that the aurora reflected the balance of the linking. When the balance was as it should be, 
The aurora was pleasing to the eye, calming to the soul. If the balance listed, it was a reflection of the decline of moral nature. The aurora would be disquieted in appearance and chilling to the soul. Both Wallace and Marina felt a chill he could finally see. Upon my father's soul, I do see, Wallace intoned. What could set the balance in such a kilter to affect the aurora, she asked. We must discover the cause. Turning on the bench, she slid her calves and her bare feet to the cool floor. Her upper body pulling away from Wallace, she sat straight. She lowered her eyes from the sky to the distant forest mountains. Have you heard certain distressing things about your brother? She asked, her eyes diverted from his. That outrageous, Wallace muttered, reaching for her to lean back on his chest, hesitating. She finally did. Rumors which I refused to believe Wallace peered into the night. Until now. Prepare to be transported into a captivating and enchanting world unlike any other. This is no ordinary tale. Forget about a silly saccharine saga of a man wearing a scarlet suit. Instead, be prepared to delve into the realm of Nicholas, a new mythology, a gripping, gritty, grand sword and sorcery adventure fantasy. From the very beginning, you'll be drawn into Nicholas's story, a plain farm boy haunted by the tragic murder of his parents. His life is forever changed as he is forced to confront a sorcerer prince who fears a deadly prophecy that Nicholas may fulfill. But Nicholas does not face this challenge alone. He is aided by a wizard, a race of mighty dragons, and a host of magical oddling creatures. Together with warrior Prince Wallace, Nicholas embarks on a perilous journey, transforming from a reluctant hero to a fierce fighter, determined to save his people from an impending war. Amidst the chaos and danger, Nicholas discovers his true destiny with his mysterious, magical past giving him clues to an immortal future. With every twist and turn of this spellbinding story, you'll be swept away into the world of magic, mystery, and adventure. Welcome to Conversations with the Authors. Welcome back to Conversations with the Authors. I'm your host, Daniel Troop. And I'm Daryl. And I'm Sandra Jo. And what you just heard is yet another reading from How Nicholas Became Some Poets. Sandy and Daryl, this is an amazing story. I'm just, everything is really just pulling you in. And, uh, what I think is interesting about this chapter, chapter four, called uh, The Problem with the Aurora, uh, you have this really wonderful dynamic between Prince Wallace and his wife, Princess Marina. And it feels like an authentic uh, relationship. It feels like uh, two people who are quite in love. And, and I feel like the way you've described it, the way you've written it, uh, has really shown. Was this all from personal experience, or did you did you like? How did you really make these people seem so authentic? I think, and I think my wife will agree. We pull this from our own relationship too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is a relationship that's really special between those two characters, and I have a very special relationship with my wife. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really hard to imagine what it was like, you know, to write those characters. Right. 
uh, because we had uh, so much experience with that. So, I mean, <laughs> and they're sort of che- right. you know kind of they're kind of cheeky individuals. You know, they're like coy with each other, and you know you can tell they're in love, and yet they're stern with each other at the same time. And it, it really sort of draws you in. I mean, the way you've written uh, Princess Marina, uh, and she's a very attractive character, just in her language and her body language with Wallace. And uh, I noticed, uh, as we read in previous chapters with Sarah, uh, that she has sort of those similar little nuances that I think really give these characters life. Now, is that something you thought of when developing these characters or writing these characters? Or was it something that just sort of happened as you wrote it? Some of it was planned and some of it just occurred. And some of it just uh, impishly appeared on the paper. Well, yeah, it was very inspired, I think, because you, you look into yourselves and you look into your partner and you can see how a relationship goes. They're, they're the, there's the to and fro and the tick and the talk. There's all of that stuff that, that makes a relationship what it, special. And so we wanted to put that in our characters, too. So we, mm. we wrote it from the inside. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> and I, I really love, and we're talking about the... Uh, Aurora Borealis and its sort of connection with uh, the linkage, which is that energy that connects all living things, and uh, how it's how the morals sort of affect the sway of the aurora and the mm-hmm. colors. So, um, is the aurora itself something else? Something too? Will we find this out later in the story? Is this? Is there more to this than just its colors changing and being dim? Uh, is there something, or am I reading too there much? There is something tangible. So, so there's something to look forward to about this. I th- Yes. Okay. Yes, there is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, now nowadays we, we have scientists that will tell us, you right. know, why the aurora is what it is. Mm-hmm. But in those times, it was very cryptic, very mysterious. Right, right. You know, and very magical. And uh, we just wanted to bring that feeling out we we talked um, last week because the um, the authors the I'm sorry the Oscars here the authors the Oscars had just uh, aired and there were several Oscar winners we talked about uh, who we might want to play characters in the story um, and we got a question from uh, one of our readers um, and they're asking uh, which character would you select uh, to represent yourself in the story ah. I, I know, I know which one I would, I would, I would probably take Zorna. Okay, the okay. wizard. Yeah. yeah, the wizard. Yeah, I would take him. Okay. Okay. And Sandy, what about you? I would probably be either Sarah or Marina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I see a lot of those traits uh, uh, of them in you, or vice versa. Really, uh, you know, and these characters sort of you write them, and they sort of are your children in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, I mean, essence. And the, the essence of you comes mm-hmm. out in the characters. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. A lot, of, a lot of the communication between husband and wife mm-hmm. was based on your dad and mom's trying to con- communicate without letting the children know exactly what we were Well, you know, there, there's, there's a, 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 a twitch of the eye, you know, there's a blink, you know, right, there's a right. head turn. All of those things, you know, there, there's a, an unspoken communication. Right. But I, I say this because you did mention her, her, her body language right. and all. 
And the fact that you can mention her body language from a book means that I did pretty well at yeah, describing it. I'm happy about that. As I'm reading the scene and <laughs> uh, all the other um, clips that we've written so far, or read so far, it's unscripted, guys, uh, <laughs> that we've read so far, uh, I can not only hear the characters talk, but I can phys- I, I feel like I can physically see them. I can see their body uh, language. And uh, as you as you know, body language is just as important, if not more important, uh, than uh, dialogue. That's factual. It's true. It's um, very true. And and when you're writing your stories, as it as because this is a scripted, you know, this is something you've written down. Uh, how do you differentiate where that importance needs to be? How do you be? As I said, body language is sort of it can sometimes be more important. So. How is it something that you get across on the page? You know, body language is, is very emotional. And we, we act, we wave, we blink, we, we, we bow, you know, depending on how we feel and what we're trying to convey to the other person. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes there are micro expressions, too, that we have, very small, you know. And so if somebody's eye is twitching, they might not be so comfortable. You if know, you're if, breathing in a certain <laughs> pattern, mm-hmm. if you... Or for just sighing. And, and, and <laughs> dear readers and listeners, that you've noticed, if you've ever been on the phone with someone, you're still doing body gestures, even though, at least when I was growing up, they couldn't see you. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're still moving your hands around. You know, it, 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 it could be the breath control. It could be a, a lip pop because somebody said something and you, you can have a, a meaning come from that, right. too, you right. know, and... Uh, uh, there's a silence, right? You know, so right. you say, you ask somebody a question, and then it goes dead silence for a right. minute. You know, and so. how loud that silence can be right. really mm-hmm. uh, it tells so much. And but in our story too, the entire forest, the entire village, the mm-hmm. kingdoms, everything is living, and it's all reflected in the aurora. Mm-hmm. So, the least little bit of emotion. Can be seen. It's that butterfly effect, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, um, so um, I think I know why. But uh, one of our other uh, readers also asks, uh, "What distinguishes you uh, from other uh, fiction genre books?" Detail. Mm. Yes, <laughs> I think I think your I think yeah, your it's book. detail of description. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's 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 almost like, uh, and I, I think I've said this before. It's like the commentary, uh, the color commentary, right? You know, on uh, a, a basketball game or a, or a baseball game over the radio, you have to make that person see it, right? So there there's a there's a lot of detail in it, and uh, I, I think and uh, in, in felt emotion too as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you'll feel the happiness, you'll you'll feel the sadness, you'll feel the fear, and you feel the joy. And you will feel it. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Uncle Barney used to say to me, he says, yeah, you can say it in two words, but Grandpa's blind. He can't see a darn thing. So you had better tell him in a thousand words what you meant. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, one of our other um, questions is, um, if you had the opportunity to make this book into a film, when would be the best time to distribute it? 
Mm-hmm. Is it the? Is it only during the Christmas season? Oh, definitely not. It's no, an I... all year round. Oh, I agree. Event I agree. because he, you're taking him through every season, every age, mm-hmm. every. But he's he's, he's developing, right? And but he, also too, it's not about. Yeah. The season. Right. It's not about no. the season. It's about the man. You're right. Right? It's, it's well, the journey. It's getting to the It's about the boy. The it's about the right. man. We often associate, you know, Christmas with Santa Claus and Christ and what have you. But um, this story isn't about Christmas. It's not about you know, presents. Uh, in this. It's when, about the, the myth of the man, the legend, uh-huh. Nicholas. I, I have a, 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 a radical thought here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Santa Claus is his job. Yes. Right. That's right. his job. Right. And so it's just like uh, an airline pilot or a doctor or a lawyer. That's that's their job. But right. who are they as a man? Right. For instance, when you see a newscaster on television, that's his job. You know, he's delivering something to you. He's right. bringing something to you. Right. But what is his private life like? How did he come up? Right, right. What's his story? Who, yeah, what's his story? How, how did he get to learn the job? And um, Ernie asks, what advice would you provide to someone who is just starting to read or prepare to read the book? Well, I just think just have an open mind and please, like I said before, check your reality at the door. I I think also, I think also place your misconceptions at the door. I think place, place anything that you've sort of thought this book might be about at the door because it's 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 it is uh, far different from what you might expect you mm-hmm. you think nicholas claus and you have a preconception and i think if our readers sort of hold that preconception and really dive in and see what this fantasy story is about remember this is as you said before this is not uh, this is not a religious tome. This is not a book about, you know, claymation, Santa Claus, delivering gifts. Right. This is, as you said, mm-hmm. this is a story about a man who's known for his job. Yeah. What's his story? His story, his mm-hmm. childhood, it's, it's his upbringing and who he is and what's made him what he is. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I, I, I would say, Ernie, the first thing you have to do is pick up the book, look at the cover, mm. and say, hmm. I wonder, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder what this cover means, and then right when you leave see, all expectations. There's there's behind. there's buried treasure in there. Right, okay, right. you see a picture of a wizard and mm-hmm. a dragon, and then the word Santa Claus. You, you gotta wonder. You gotta wonder, readers. And if you are wondering, you can pick up a copy of the book at troopbooks.com. You can check out their Instagram at troopbooks.com. That's T-R-O-U-P-E. Their TikTok at troopbooks. You can post questions or comments at the About Me section on troopbooks.com. And if you'd like to pick up a copy of a book, please go to troopbooks.com. Click on the... You'll get the link to the author page, and you can pick up a hardcover or softcover. Of course, I'd like to thank our wonderful composer for the intro... Alexander Nakarada, and I'll look for you all, your questions and your comments, next time on Conversations with the Authors. <laughs>